Cars in the City, season two, we back, man. Got a special guest in the building. Yeah. Special, super special guest. Do say owns very own. Yeah. Do say Palooza's very own. I'm sorry. Yeah. Trap Karaoke's very own. So we don't do that no more. Oh, okay. Yeah, we lost that. All right. Uh, well, we can talk about it. No. <laughs> uh, good, good, good. Now we know. Yeah. Um, Beats One's very own. Yes. Yes. Mr. Lowkey in the building. How you doing, man? Hey, hey. It's appreciate good, to, it good to have you, man. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Appreciate All right. That. So, um, let's get right into it, man. You know, this weekend, right. epic, epic event. Yeah. I was in the building. Barclays Center. Yes. Ducey Palooza. Yes, yes, yes. First of its, first thing that I've ever seen of its kind in that sense of, you know, where you guys came from. Right. What did it mean to you to be in the Barclays Center? Uh, it just it meant a lot because you know we you know for people that don't know the story we started at uh in East Side of Harlem and my my brother you know founder of the entire movement started in his basement and um we've done so many venues throughout the country throughout the city you know House of Blues in every city we've done Terminal Five uh, Tammany Hall Hammerstein Ballroom Webster Hall. We've done every pretty much, you know, legendary venue in New York. And, we, you know, it was about that time that we, uh, you know, stepped up our game. Right. And uh, personally, I didn't know we were going to sell it out. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew that we're throwing a house party in a basketball arena. And uh, it, it turned out to be a monumental situation that we're still processing. You feel what I'm saying? So... It, it still, it means a lot, but, you know, it's just the pinnacle of, like, where we can go and what we can do after. So, being at the event, event and um, it was my second Ducey Palooza, first one in, in New York, but um, this one would, I, I was, I was trying to understand, like, how it was going to work and yeah. what the situation was going to be. Everybody like, was trying to figure that out. What the sections were gonna look like? Because right. when you said when it, when I saw sold out come across the the day of, yeah. I was like, oh, so I assumed like, okay, the floor sold out. Right, 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 right. So that was my assumption. And That's then what everybody thought. To, then when I get to the event and I realize, oh no, the sections yeah. are sold out mm-hmm. as well, and like everybody is the arena, it, the arena yes. is sold out. Yeah, it, and you, it, w- it was it was more people there than it would be for. a like, it was more, I went to the Nets-Hornets game. It was more people there for Ducey Palooza than the Nets first Yeah, game. I mean, like, you, you look at what we've done and what we've accomplished and who we're aligned with, and, you know, you got to just trust the brand. You got to trust the process. You got to trust the individuals that are involved in this whole entire situation. And it's a testament to what we do and who we are and how trusted we are within that, that lane and that culture. So... All of us are lost on the concept of we're selling out a stadium. That, that's a good segue. So you, we spoke to who you guys are aligned with. Right. So, you know, we've heard, you know, I've seen multiple interviews with you guys where you guys have told the story of you and Cam going to meet with Lenny. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Jay reaching out to Lenny saying that why hadn't you guys already right. signed? So right. like, right. you know, me and you, we're in the same generation. And I, I feel like our generation is like, the way we feel about Jay is a little different than a lot of others mm-hmm. because, like, we grew up on Jay's music right. and Jay's, you know, so there's a certain level of honor that we show Jay. Right. What's it like going into negotiations 
with someone per se that you have that much reverence for because it's not the same as going into it with like a regular company right like you still got to look out for you you and your team's best interest what's it like what can you say speak to going into those types of things i mean like at the end of the day like you have to understand that you know the initial reaction to them wanting us on the side was them coming we we went to them first and the initial process didn't really pan out the way we we thought it would and then we did a year back you know doing our party and we came back to them with a partnership like this is what we want this is you know why we should align ourselves and jay was already on you know he was already on path of what who we were and what we were doing right you know i've known lenny for about 10 to 12 years so me and him have always been in cahoots and just like cohesive with each other supporting each other whatever whatever he jay approached lenny and said why are they not working with us and lenny it just so happened that at that time, me, Lenny, and Cam were in the process of restarting the talks of negotiation and partnership. And it just, you, you it's still your business and you're still dealing with a, a black billionaire. Right. Right. So, like, you, you have to have that mindset in addition to having this guy that you marvel and you love and you respect and you idolize. But at the end of the day, it's still like niggas got to eat. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they understand that. They've been in those situations with a Def Jam, with a Live Nation, with a whomever. So his perspective as a as an artist makes it easier to, to yeah. work with, per se, yeah, with cause the, they've, the they've, average company. They've been in that. He's been in that back against the wall, fuck the world. Like, it's it's us versus them. So he gets it. Them. Yeah, he understands the, the, the necessity and the aggressiveness of where we want to be and what we want to do. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't hard. We just had to come correct, that's all. Right. So, in that, you guys, um, what I like about you guys and what I've noticed, and I really, this is kind of one of the main question that I really have for you, and I've been saving this for a minute because we've had multiple discussions right. you know, um, off air and off camera. Um, you guys have a large group of people that, that do play certain roles. Right. So, I come from the basketball world where, you know, the best teams aren't necessarily the teams with all the really good players on mm-hmm. The best teams are the people who can identify their role. Mm-hmm. So what I've noticed about you guys and what I've studied is that you guys have all fell into specific roles and been able to identify the strengths of each individual member of your unit. Correct. How, how does that occur? How do you guys fall? How do you guys get in the in stay within your lane without like crossing over or stepping over with you and Chris? Yeah. And, and Rory and Cam. And all no, I, I, you know, everyone in this particular situation has a very specific thing. Like you have Rory, who's the general manager. You have uh, Benner, who's head of operations. You have Cam, who was the CEO and the founder. Then you have Raven, who does photography. You have Chris, who co-hosts with me. You have Ben, uh, you have um, Bruno and Trey, who are head of merchandise. You have Peach, who is creative director. You have Kaz, who's like head of talent and wrangling talent. And you have all these Avengers, right? In in a yeah, you have all these Avengers in a pot. Like Iron Man is not like Captain America. Captain America is not like Spider Man. Spider Man is not like you know the Hulk. But when we come together and when it's a, a, a tangible situation, like, no one can really fuck with us. If we're all on our A game, 
we all make sure. And even if I'm slipping, if I'm slipping, Chris gonna tell me. If Cam is slipping, Rory gonna tell me. If Ben is slipping, Kaz gonna tell me. Like, so there is a level of accountability. Uh, accountability where, is where you guys yeah. Accountability is the thing that holds this group together. If we don't hold ourselves accountable for our uh, our lackluster performances, then we don't succeed. Then we don't do Barclays. Then we don't do Made in America. You know what I mean? So. Everybody understands their role. Everyone plays their position. No one is jealous of the other person. Everyone's just like, all right, this is what I got to do. I'm doing it. I want to make sure you're doing your job. As long as my job is done, I'm going to make sure your shit is done too. And that's what we do. So That's dope. That's dope because, like I said, the basket. No, nah, it is. Like you got to hold. You got to make sure niggas is performing. Like if, you, exactly. if, you, if you're on the boards and you're not getting boards, niggas are going to tell you about it. If you're not... Dishing a rock and being a point guard, and he's gonna tell you about it. So if I'm not hosting right, and Raven not doing her photos right, and the back end where like the, you know the the logistics ain't right, we gonna look at Rory and Cam and Bennett like, yo, what's up? Like, but everyone is going to, yo, are you, your shit is your shit right? Yeah. As long as my shit's right and your shit's right, nigga, this is we can do Barclays back to back to back to back. So are you guys? Do you feel like you guys are kind of now on autopilot with that? In terms of you guys have now been doing it for so long, right. you guys have been in this position. I know the Barclays is the latest chapter right. um, of the story, but do you guys feel like now it's at what point does the you guys start looking for the next step and then the next step? And then the next I mean, we always were always ten steps ahead. Like Barclays was Barclays, and it was a great, phenomenal feat with what we've accomplished, but. If you stay at that particular point, then that's just all you're going to be known for. Like, yes, being at the Barclays, 7, 9, 10, 11,000, that is, that's a great thing. And that, it's not lost on us. No, that's crazy. No, it is. No, <laughs> that's I'm crazy. not, yo, it that's is. That's crazy. But at the end of the day, like, there's still other things to do. We can still do, we can do Madison Square Garden. We can do MetLife. Or we can right. do Staples Center. Or we can do United Center. Like, you have to think forward progression. You know, I can't, we can't stay in this pocket. Like, right. think about how Jay was. Jay has one of the best debut albums ever. If he didn't just stay there, we wouldn't know the potential of what this nigga could be who he is right now. So, no, nah, we're not going to, we're going to enjoy this holiday season. Everybody rejoice and, you know, we did what we did and we had a great time. But, nah, 2020 is right around the corner. What we doing? All Stars in February in Chicago. We going over there? We going to do United week. Center? Like, what we going to do? But. We're very appreciative and very humble, and the humility is there, but we still got more work to do. Yeah, we still got more work to do. I feel you, I feel you. That's, that's um, a wise man once told me never to, uh, when you accomplish one goal, mm-hmm. you just got to keep making bigger goals. You got to. Because you become complacent if you don't. The same, yeah, the same, this is not, this is where it starts. Right. This is not where it ends. This is where it starts, because now it's like, Oh y'all niggas is nice. Y'all, <laughs> oh y'all niggas can y'all can do shit. So now nah, we not stopping. So now now that the world has seen it, now it's now it's onward and forward. Got to forward progression is a very very key thing to any any business plan that you have. Now about the event. So yeah. there were a lot of a lot of things a lot of things that I was I enjoyed and I had a good time. Me personally, the yeah. state property. Yeah, yeah, Union, yeah, yeah. Seeing beans that was like seeing a superhero for me. Like beans right. is crazy. Like. And just like he sounded good, yeah, the energy was great. Like right. that was crazy. But what's the kid's name that 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 had like eight 
Oh, that's Fabio Foreign. Big drip. Fabio Foreign from Brooklyn, New York City. Uh, I think that was the most pivotal, iconic moment because he's never been on that kind of like atmosphere and that right. stage. Like he has one of the biggest records in New York or in the country for that matter. And when he stepped on that stage, you being in Brooklyn, you know that record. Right. Like it's just being from New York, you know that record. Being a fan of hip hop, you know that record. So to have him on that stage, and it looked crazy. It looked reckless as fuck. Yeah. But that is the energy. That's the energy we provide. That's the energy that we have. Uh, okay, so, the, so there, have, was no, have, there was no nervousness when, like... No, I was... Because yeah. I'm sitting here, like, and I'm like... And I love the record. I'm enjoying the record. But in my mind, in my corporate mind, I'm looking like... I'm no, like, there was... On stage there, right was there was a very... There was a moment where I was backstage with them, and... Fabio was trying to, like, get his niggas on stage. And I told him, I'm like, yo, listen, like, you got to go and do your job. Like, you got to go do your thing. And he was like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. And it became a point where it was like, there's nothing we can do. Right. Niggas going to get on that stage. <laughs> and there's literally nothing we can do. And those are the risks you got to take. That's the gamble you got to take. And... I feel like him and his his counterparts respected what was going on at that arena, and I feel like they understood what that moment for them, not for us, what that moment looked like for them, and it became one of the biggest moments for his career. Like the nigga just started, right? But now you're in an arena in your home, your home, your backyard, so you have to like make sure niggas ain't bugging, niggas ain't tripping. Yeah, it was it was a process. Yeah, everybody running on stage. Yo, I'm with this nigga. I'm with him. Uh, uh, like, all right, cool. Like, if y'all gonna do it, just do it in a comedy fashion, so we can get y'all on. Y'all do y'all two or three songs and get y'all to fuck off. <laughs> but people were going crazy, right? So, but we had to allow that. Yeah. That's something that we we need. We need like we need them just as much as they need us. Did you anticipate that? Like, did you anticipate the reaction to it? No, I knew, I knew exactly what that was gonna look like. That rec, that rec, I knew the record was big. Yeah, no, that. But like, even in the suite that I was in, the girls ran to no, the if, front of it. You got like it's, it's Brooklyn, like you can't expect it to be any less than what it was. That was it, it. It played out exactly how I thought it was gonna play out. It was yes, it was a little nervous. Mm-hmm. First 15, 30, 45 seconds, crazy. But at the end of the day, when you look at the footage, it's like yeah, that that was that was deserved. Like he deserved that moment. So, so you've been you've been a hip hop head for a minute, uh, and you guys had some legendary people there as well. Like, what right. was what was like, what was the moment that you took most from it? Like, what what performance or what? I think know? the most the most that I took from it was, like, if you're a hip hop mixtape head like myself, then you understand like having the locks and state property in the same building, yeah. and having them take pictures together is what that. I saw that photo. Yeah, like that. Those those little moments that those little nuggets that people really don't understand, that means a lot. And then, I was uh I was like hosting the Just that Blade. beef was real. Bro. That was like <laughs> real. Yeah, no, it's not no social media, Instagram. Nah, nah, like nah, crazy. this is like niggas wanted to off niggas, yeah. and they're in the same building, no smoke, no none of like. I'm hosting with Just Blaze. Like Just Blaze is like doing this whole thing with locks and state property. And Justin's like, yo, you got to go do whole set during, you got to go do whole verse during what we do. And I'm like, nigga, I'm not, I'm not doing what we do. Like, I'm not, this is not karaoke. Like, I'm not doing, he's like, no, you have to do it so that you can bring, you can bring uh, Beans out. 
So I'm like, all right. So I get up there and I'm like performing like maybe eight bars of this shit. Right. I'm just like, all right, stop. Like just, just bring this nigga. Out. Like, <laughs> cause like I'm not about to start doing this shit in Barclays. This nigga Jaden did eight shows here. Y'all want me to start doing his? Like, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> but like, it's like those kind of moments that are fun and, and, and special. Right. But I didn't even I didn't even notice that because I I remember remember hearing you hosting. You saying that this this. One of the biggest records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Records and like, nah, and yeah. Coming out. It was just fun. Like, those are things that are just fun. Like, you just, it gets lost on you while you're there. But, like, when you think back and all the conversations me and Jess was having and talking with the locks, talking to Beanie, talking to Free, like, these are the things that, that people don't know or don't hear. Like, they'll know it through this conversation, but I'm not going to be on Twitter and, like, yo, Jess told me this. And I was talking to, like, I don't give a fuck about that. We sold the party out. We did our job. Let's move on. Right, right. That's how I look at it. So that takes me back. So we, we talked about um, old school, like the that generation mm-hmm. coming up from that. So let's go back with you a little bit. Okay. Let, um, you heard that new. Yeah, 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 yeah. You heard that new. Yeah. So when did you start? When or when did you? When did you? When did that get off the ground? I started. I started. You heard that new back in two thousand and six, right when I graduated from Howard University. Uh, long story short, I had a radio show at Howard University. I got great relationships with people in the industry. I had an internship at Bad Boy. Uh, started meeting a lot of managers, artists, you know, the whole nine yards. Right. Um, and then I got hooked into the blogging world. And I got started getting records and started getting leaks and unofficial music. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should put this somewhere. At the time, blogging became a very, very big fucking thing. Like, not right was out, okay player. Miss Info on Smash. So I added myself into that fold, and what they were lacking was exclusive music. So I'm snatching shit from everywhere. Like, I'm debuting records and, you know, snatching and, you know, leaking shit, and everybody's looking at me like, who the fuck is this this kid dropping music that we don't even have? Right. So that's how you heard that news started, like me just dropping shit that no one, no one has. So for me, the blogging area era did uh two things mm-hmm. so the internet in general just makes things smaller mm-hmm. so the blog blog era to me helped in that sense in just terms of in terms of the country making the country smaller in terms of like you said debuting new music mm-hmm. whether it be from a new york artist whether it be yeah from, wherever it's from like, yeah. you're now bringing that music to your individual community mm-hmm. and then as well it, it started to put pressure on radio yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a big thing because at the time it was radio DJs and hosts were taking music from us. Right. Because they weren't allowed to put music out. They weren't allowed to like they didn't have players to do that. So at the time the internet was the wild wild west. Right. So we just dropping shit and talking our shit and whatever, whatever. But when we drop it when we released a record or leaked a record, radio would take that. There has been countless times where Miss Info has taken records from my site or a Funkmaster Flex has, you know, gotten records from my site. Like, all that type of shit. And it it happened. It's funny that you say that because I heard Ebro say in an interview um, that I was watching where he said that it's no longer radio's responsibility or radio doesn't really break new music anymore. No, it, it, not at all. They cater more to, to, to the masses. Yeah, I mean, and, and radio has always been a mass, you know, a mass-produced consumer consumption like that's that's what radio is radio is for the nine to fiver you get up you wake up you hear you were in the morning or you hear breakfast club or whatever the case is the internet is you get it when you get it 
oh, I, I know I can wake up and just go get it, and it's right there. Radio's not breaking a freestyle or right. an unofficial verse or a remix. They're just, they'll, they'll break it, but later on down the line. Right. We were breaking shit, like, if, if this is 12, 15 years ago, and I'm going home to drop a record, the whole world hears that. Right. I go home, like, oh, Big Sean got a new verse, or Jeezy got a verse, or Drake got a verse, or Kendrick got a verse. You're going to hear it from us. And then radio will pick up on it when it's okay because the label said, oh, whatever, whatever. Now it's just like, all right, like, we find the shit, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple. Like, radio is still very important. Don't get it wrong. I work for I work for Beats 1. FM, to, you, know, you know, all that shit is still very, very important. It's still very a key part in a successful, having a successful career. But the rules have changed. The exposure and the consumption has changed. But back in the day, yeah, that's where we found our music. Hot 97, Power 105, WBLS, all that shit. Now it's the internet. So one of my really close friends, she put me on to, uh, you heard that new, I yeah. think you know her. Do you know uh, Yaya Martinez? Yeah, Yaya was talking to me about you the other day. Yeah, that's that's like my big sister. Nah, she, Yaya's a homie. She introduced me to... And it's funny, like, I ne- I didn't even put two and two together when yeah. I met you. And then I was like, oh, shit, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, shout, shout out to y'all, Shout y'all. out to y'all, man. That's the Come homie. to New York. Nah, y'all, y'all's the homie. I'm trying to get her out here for, like, three days. That's my nigga right there. Um, but, yeah, so transitioning from that, how did, in media, how did you go from wanting, from breaking music mm-hmm. to, with you heard that new, to now, where you are now in terms of, uh, I mean, that transition, it happened because, you know, the whole, so, so the blogging to hosting to radio happened very, very smooth. I was, uh, Mecca from Two Dope Boys. He was a DJ. Well, he still is a DJ. Yeah, one of the best DJs that I've ever heard. Um, he was hosting at, uh, Santos Party House. Okay. He was DJing Santos, Santos Party House one night. And I was there to support him. Like, that's like, it's my brother, whatever. Dallas Penn was hosting the event that he was DJing. Dallas left. So Mecca says to me, like, yo, while I switch over, just just host. And I'm like, what the what the fuck you want me to say? Like, I don't I don't host, like nigga, I'm a blogger. Like I'm not I don't know what the fuck you want me to say. He's like, No, just just talk to the people while I, I switch over. I'm like, all right, fuck it, whatever. So I'm drinking a beer. I'm like, all right, you know what? Fuck it, I'm drunk. So I'm just talking shit to them. I'm talking shit to everybody, like, yo. Who's from New York and who's from like just doing like the normal you know raggedy host shit, and it turns out that I was pretty good at it, and then I ended up hosting the entire show. So like the event planner was like, "No, stay on and keep doing what the fuck you're doing." So I'm like, "All right." So at the time I lived in Jersey, I'm leave. I had to leave at like twelve o'clock, so I'm walking through the crowd. This white dude comes to me. He's like, "Yo, when's your next party?" I'm like, "What party?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "No, when is the next time you're hosting?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't. I was just here helping a friend." After that, people started calling me. People started hiring me. Like, I got that thing. And then, long story short, after that, I got real cool with Ebro. Like, he became, like, my mentor unofficially. He called me one night. He's like, yo, I got this opportunity for you at Apple Music. I'm like, the fuck is Apple Music? He's like, no, just trust me. Like, I got an opportunity for you. One thing led to another. This is 2015. It's been about almost four or five years. And now, like, I'm filling in for him and, like, a big voice in New York, which is what I've always wanted. But it's just, like, perseverance, consistency, passion, and drive. Like, niggas told me this wouldn't work. 
family members told me this wouldn't work. Girlfriends told me this wouldn't work. Literally just put my middle finger up to everybody. I was like, this is what I want to do. I went to school for this. Like, this is what I, I have a degree in this. So you're not going to tell me that this is not what I, I, I want this. So y'all can kick rocks if y'all want, but I'm staying right here. So. So that a lot of these opportunities seem to just fall into your, not necessarily fall into your lap, but you, you've built it on relationships. Right, right, right. right. Um, speak to the relationship aspect of that and how, how to make those, how to generate opportunities, both financially, both career-wise. Speak to that for, like, the listeners out there. Speak to how how they can utilize their relationships to help generate their career. I mean, at the end of the day, relationships are always going to be important, especially in this industry. And But you don't, but when I say that is, it doesn't come across as, you know, in our interactions, and I'm an observant person, mm-hmm. it doesn't come across as, like, you're using people. Mm-mm. It just always seems very natural. Like, even the way this came about just feels very natural. I always look at it like this. Like, my father always taught me this when I was younger, and he applied it to, like, because I have three sisters, so he would always apply it as treat your sisters how you want them to be treated or treat women how you want your sisters to be treated. So I carried that over to, like, treat people how you want them to be treated. So, yeah, I could swing my dick, and I can say all this, that, and the third, but, like, at the end of the day, like, we all need each other. And I'm not bigger than the next man. Like, my events are big and my, you know, my persona and my platform is big. But at the end of the day, like, that shit could be taken away from me tonight. And that'd be that. All these interviews and all this other shit won't matter. So it's like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's you interviewing me or I don't care if it's Charlemagne. Like, I'm going to treat y'all niggas the same way. Like, everybody's cordial, everybody's professional, and that's it. You've got to remain the same with everybody. I don't care what kind of lane you're in, or I don't care what you're doing. Don't get too big for your britches because all of this can be snatched right now. So you got to remain humble. You got to remain, you know, appreciative, and you got to remain on point because there's a lot of motherfuckers out there that be like, nah, I do this, nah, I do that. It, it don't matter because there's a nigga that's on your heels that as soon as you slip up, it's over. So you got to, you just got to stay, you got to stay on point. You got to stay, just be gracious and grateful for like, these are opportunities that don't happen to black men and black women. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not, this world was not made for us. This world, this industry wasn't made for us. So all this, like, you too big to say thank you. You too big to ask for help. You too big to say, yo, I appreciate what you did. All that shit, like, kill that noise. Like, just be, talk your shit. Be, yeah, be be proud of what you do, but yeah, not, I mean, but people are gonna give you your flowers too. Yeah, but like appreciate the flowers, receive yeah. the flowers. Be, yeah. you know, be humble about the flowers. There's a lot of motherfuckers that are just not humble about the, about the flowers that they get now, and then they get mad when they lose their shit. Yo, no one fuck with me. Yeah, no one fucking because you a dickhead. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. So, so with that in, in, in beats one, I've watched um, a few of your interviews. Yeah. Funny. What's your most <laughs> What do you feel like is the interview where you was like the most nervous going into? Uh, like, the most nervous. Or interview. maybe not nervous, uneasy, however you want to phrase it. Um, I, maybe when I talked to Little John. That's an interesting one. Why you say that? Because of just like what he's been through and just the experience and the lineage and the decades of music that he's created, and mm-hmm. he can see through all this shit. 
So you don't want to like, and I'm new in that in that space. So you never want to come to the table and not just know what the fuck you're talking about. So, and I feel like a, a person like him can tell, like, oh, you don't, you're just here doing your job. Right. You're not a, and I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a you know I'm, I'm a consumer. Like I that's I breathe and live this shit. So you always just want to be on point and just be like, all right, I just want to make sure. But then they could tell it's like, oh, you nervous? You don't you don't do this. This is not what you do. Right. So that yeah, little John was a. I was very, I was extra, I was over prepared for that interview. So, your preparedness. When you go into an interview, what mm-hmm. are you, what are you looking for? Like, what are you trying to take? I mean, obviously, artists a lot of times are on a press run, so mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. obviously going to ask questions about whatever yeah. their album or single or whatever is out. But what are, when you're preparing to do the interview, what are you actually, what what's that study like? The study is looking for those nooks and crannies that they haven't talked about. The differentiate. Yes, we're going to talk about what you're here for, what you're promoting. Mm-hmm. Cool, let's get to that. As soon as that out the way, I want to talk to you like we're at a bar. Right. I want to talk to you like, okay, you just took a shot? Cool, let's, 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 let's dig deeper. That's the thing that I want from these interviews and, you know, moving forward in 2020. I want to I be like some best friend brother shit. Like, not no incriminating, not no gossip. I don't give a fuck who you beefing. I don't care who you fucking. I don't care who you, what was supposed to be or whatever. I want to talk to you like, yo, what's up? Like, how do you, how you feeling? Like, how's your mental health? Like, what are we, like, let's talk, like, men to men. Like, therapist type shit. But not even trying to, like, get a, a clickbait or try to get some, like, some shit that's going to embarrass you. I don't want none of that. Like, there's other platforms that do that. And not to say they wrong or whatever. Like, that's just what they do. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make it look like, damn, like, Lowe found out that this nigga was fucking X, Y. I don't give a fuck about that. You don't want the TMZ. I don't care. I don't, I don't want the T. I don't want the bossip. I don't want, not to say bossip and TMZ. And Nothing's wrong with that. I don't need that. I don't need the shade room quotes. I don't need none of that. I want to talk about some music. So it sounds to me like you're trying to provide a comfortable environment yes. for um, artists to speak on their experience, myriad, yeah, topics, their so. experiences, their their culture, love, their personal, you know, whatever. I just want to, I want to add to the culture. I don't want to replicate. I don't want to duplicate. I want to add conversation to the culture. And if it's gonna take me a long time for people to trust me, then so so be it. But I want you to know that when you come to me, it's not gonna be on that type of time. Okay. Okay. So. So. What's next? Individually. So, I, I know you guys are do, trying to grow, and you're right. going to do more with, with, with Say Palooza. But right. for you, low individually, where, what's next? Radio and TV. I want to wanna get this beautiful brown face on a TV screen. Um, I just want to be more independent. Um, everybody knows me as Say Palooza, or the former host of Trap Karaoke, or the guy from Beats One. Like, I want to people to be like, oh, that's low-key. He does. Boom. I mean, and I love, you know, I've loved, I, I love, still love Duce Palooza. Like, that's, those are my brothers. And I appreciate the platform Trap Karaoke has provided me, but, and I appreciate the platform that Beats One has provided me, but now it's time for Nile and low-key, like, Nile to be his individual platform. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a responsibility that I'm taking forward with, with 2020. So you will see a lot of individual projects and aspects about me and myself 
while still aligned with my niggas at Duce Palooza and the platform with Apple Music. But, you know, you got to take ownership into your value. My value is has escaped me. You know what I mean? Because you put so much into everybody else. So now it's like, now nah, I got to put value into myself and I got to cater to what this has become. And the right people will support me. Like my nigga Cam would do say Palooza. He just had a phone call tonight. He was like, bro, like it's, yeah, it's time for you to take a bigger role and be, you know, a bigger person and be a bigger voice and be a bigger responsibility. And the niggas that want you to win have no problem letting you do that or telling you to do that despite working with them. Yo, go, please go do, do your thing because we're going to be right here. We're you, we not leaving you, right. but we want you. We know you're supposed to be bigger than. Well, that's where you know that a situation is, is more than just a business relationship. Yeah, of and course. It's actually of course. a friendship and um, a brotherhood. Some brotherhood. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've built up these individual platforms mm-hmm. with others, mm-hmm. um, and now it's you feel like it's time to separate. Not separate, but... Um, just add to my add own to lineage. Own. Yeah, yeah, of course. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone, I don't care who you are, you, everyone in this building, like you're supposed to contribute to the culture, but you're supposed to also add individually to the culture because you don't want to be known as, oh, that's low from... Or that's uh, 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 from, no, that's low. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be, yo, that's low. And whether it be whatever I'm doing, but no, yeah, I'm still with my niggas. I'm still with Duce. I'm still with Beats, but nah, low, got some shit coming too. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's that's just like, that's my main goal, my main focus for t- 2020. There's an inside joke that me and Dwayne have called growth and development. Yeah. Being from Chicago, if you know that, like, so um we've come to the point of the the, the podcast mm. we have two different segments okay so we have one segment called top five all right and then we have another cigar presentation segment okay all right so i think we're going to start with the top five segment first okay so being that you guys performed at barclays mm-hmm. brooklyn is obviously the home of in my opinion i think me and you Share this opinion. The greatest rapper of all time. Obviously. Um, Mr. Sean Carter. Right. So, I'm going to give you a top five about Sean Carter. You got to rank top five J albums. Okay. Top five J albums? In order. All right. So, we're going to start with American Gangster. That's five? Uh, no, that's one. That's oh, one? I'm going one to okay, five. Okay, yeah. Okay, gotcha. uh, American Gangster, Reasonable Doubt, Blueprint. That's three, right? Yeah. Uh, in my lifetime, that's volume one, and watch the throne. Ah, uh, we can't count watch the throne. That's a that's a. I mean, can we? I mean, all right, okay, okay. I'll leave that out. Uh, we gotta do solo ones. Volume two. Oh, yeah, that's your top five. Yeah, that's my top five. That's interesting. That's a, I've I've never heard that order of top five. That's in, see, I, I I tend to stick with. I'm a, I'm a basic top five. I got, I think, uh, Reasonable Doubt 1, uh, Blueprint 2, uh, American Gangster 3, Black Album 4, uh, and then 4445. Yeah, I think 444 needs a little bit more time to breathe. Think so? Yeah, I, a little how bit many more. years? How many years has it been out? What's that? What's it been? Two it's, years? Mm, yeah, two years. Two years? We, I give it to 2023, 20, where we really start to shift the positioning of the album. So, it hasn't, it really hasn't hit 
get for older niggas, like for us. Yeah. We understand it, but like, it's like Reasonable Doubt took what, 10, 15 years for really to hit? Yeah, but it's so, it's so impactful and it still resonates. Like, it's aged so well. Reasonable right. Doubt is 96, it's 2019. It's 2019, it's 2020, yeah. It's, it is still sounds. And that's how I feel like 444 is going to happen. So, but like I said, you have we to give, give it, more you got to give it a little bit more time. So that's why I'm going to leave it out of the conversation for right gotcha, now. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So the cigar presentation. So typically we record at uh, Blue Smoke Cigar Lounge in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Weren't able to make that happen this time, technical difficulties. But but we still have a cigar present for you. Okay. Um, we want to thank you for coming out here. Yeah. Um, even if you don't smoke, you can. I smoke it. hookah, but I don't. You know. Shout out. I mean, that's what we met. <laughs> I'm a dot, so it's fine. <laughs> I think we all are. Uh, I mean, I was nah, listening I to know. Steve Jobs say that. Earlier, I, I appreciate that. So, uh, we have a Rocky Patel Sun Grown Maduro. Oh, shit. So, I don't know this what is, that means, but all right. I, I'm, about, I'm about to give you a little, a brief explanation. Urgent. So, <laughs> this is, uh, the reason why I chose this is, um, this is a Nicaraguan um, tobacco yeah. um, with a broadleaf wrapper. Okay. Um, so you were kind of sore with this shit. Yes. Okay. Cool. So um, I respect it. We <laughs> it pairs well with like um, different cognacs. Okay. So with you being a part of Duce for yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, there's a bittersweet chocolate and sweet, pro- um, sweet properties, sweeter properties to the wrapper. You reading this shit or you just know it? I know this one individually because I smoke it. Okay. Um, but some of them I do read. Yeah, I yeah. do read. I mean, yeah. This was, I mean, I know, I smoked this one, so I was like, that's You knew, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, so this gotcha, was the, gotcha. the actually number two ranked cigar uh, in 2016 yeah. for Cigar Aficionados, one of my favorites. So I want to present it to you, my brother. No, I appreciate that, Thank brother. Thank you. Just, this you know, if look. you're not going to smoke it, put it on a nah, mantle, yeah, hold I'm it down. I'm going to hold this we, shit in room temperature. Make really sure appreciate this shit. it. I might light this shit up on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah man. With a bottle of Ace of Spade in the crib just watching... Dick Clark's or whatever white boy uh, what's uh, Ryan Seacrest whatever all of that you know, um, I'm sorry nigga my fault no 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 you good you good you good <laughs> no I, I didn't mean no disrespect <laughs> I didn't mean no disrespect but no you know there's always a white boy hosting New Year's Eve so, yeah I mean, so no but yeah shout out to Dick Clark and uh, Ryan Seacrest <laughs> Ryan Seacrest <laughs> this is why I don't be doing podcasts because I'd start just going off with them. but no thank you for the cigar I appreciate that thank you we appreciate you coming, man. Yeah, we no, look thank you. Look forward to you. 2020. A lot of the, um, a lot of your other ventures come into play. Yeah. Um, everybody, stay tuned in to this man on Beats One. Like, yeah, you know, just you know, low key. I feel like he fill in for Ebro every week. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Ebro is a global director for hip hop and R and B on Apple Music. So this like, man. he's you know, Jamaica one week, London the next week, LA the next week. So. I'm very proud to step in for someone that I consider a very, very huge part of my, you know, radio career and someone that put me in position to be a part of this platform. So, you know, we, you know, Ebro will be talking crazy on Twitter and trolling motherfuckers, but that man has always had my best interest. You know, whether I made bad moves or good moves, he's always been completely transparent. So, you know, we need more of that, you know, the OGs coming to get the young kings and you know, I appreciate you know, I appreciate him for doing it. So making it happen, making it happen. All right, man. Well we're gonna see you. We'll see uh hopefully we'll see where the next dude's no, gonna, 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 gonna Yeah, you're gonna Yo, see us. I'm having people reach out to me in Phoenix. 
tell me that they need a Duce Palooza. Every yo, there's a lot of people that need Duce Palooza, and we were we're they gonna do our best. They say it's a market, like they we're say that it's a lot of people. It's venues out there. They, they do they hold ten thousand? They, they Next do. time you talk to them, if they hold ten, twelve thousand, they, they, they said they do. They said they do. So that's I, this I, the one time that I'm gonna swing my dick. If they hold ten or twelve thousand. If they don't, <laughs> then we can't really. I can't really. You know, the vibes ain't really. Copy, copy. I'll have them send y'all the info. But. Nah, yeah, low-key UAC on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me. You know, I'm, I'm keeping moving. I'm keeping busy. So 2020 is coming up. You'll see a lot of beautiful things. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Thank I appreciate coming, that. Man. Appreciate All it. All day. All right, man. So Cigars in the City. I don't even think I introduced myself today. Whatever. Um, it's your boy, Mace, Ryan. Thank you again for tuning in. And uh, shout, to, shout to Ryan Seacrest. Shout out to Ryan Seacrest.